The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome into another episode of the Hoopball Celtics live show here on Spotify Greenroom. I'm here with my guy, Patrick Lonsbury. Pat, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I cannot complain, man. Uh, we got to see a nice victory over our rivals, the Raptors. You know, even if it's preseason, it was still good to see that. I just want to get this out the way. You can follow me at, on Twitter at Luca underscore Gainer. Uh, you can follow the show at Football Celtics. Patrick, where can they find you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at the Ballin Opinions. I'm not even going to spell it out. At this point, you should have been listening to the show. We <laughs> have shows come out all the time. Go ahead and give me a follow. Give Lucas a follow, um, especially during the season. We're going to be pumping out a lot of content for you guys. Yeah, multiple shows a week during the season. We'll probably do another one after the uh, next preseason game, too. But let's kick it off, man. The Celtics got a 113-111 to win over the Raptors in our second preseason game. Um, Let's start in the first quarter. Patrick, uh, what, was your, what were your first impressions from the first quarter? Um, yeah, man, uh, just just right off the get-go, I, I just noticed that there was a lot of ball movement. There was great attacking downhill early on in that first quarter. I also thought it was pretty interesting that um, may decided to go with Romeo in the starting lineup um, instead of maybe an Aaron Neesmith or Peyton Pritchard or, or Dennis. You know, Dennis Schroeder was out because of his knee issue, and then Jalen Brown's obviously missing time because of his – COVID contraction. We also got word today, actually, right before the show started, that um, Al Horford is also in safety protocols with COVID. But uh, seeing Romeo in that starting lineup, man, I was like, all right, here we go. It's make or break for him this season. And uh, let's just say he he showed up. He showed up, man. No, totally. The thing that stood out to me was how fluid his jump shot looked. Um, Catching and shooting with no hesitation. He knocked down his threes. Um, he also attacked closeouts very well. I have written down that he looked amazing off the dribble. Um, you know, there was one play in the beginning of the game where he drove, kind of got caught up, blocked, um, and got a shot blocked, and then, you know, he turned it over. Next time he drove down the lane, made a nice dump off pass instead. So it's good to see him, you know, making the right moves on the fly. Um, and I think, you know, the two things that really stood out to me in the beginning of the game, um, I was at the game, by the way, so it was great to see the Celtics in person, man, while I was back home. Um but uh, they were really flying around on defense, and the ball was flying around on offense as well. Those are two things that I feel like we didn't see enough of last year, the ball moving, whipping around, and then defense. Uh, you know, everybody needs to move on a string, moving around, players making plays. So it really seems like Ime's kind of injected a new life into the Celtics team. Seriously, does. Yeah, man, I feel like he's just, like, taking the Energizer Bunny from hell and just injected it into the team. Is like, <laughs> I want you guys to start playing with pace. I want you guys just to start passing the ball, a lot of movement defensively, very active. Their hands are really in the lane. Um, also, you know, they start off on 11, to, I think it was 11 to one run to start off this game. They were just clicking on all cylinders, hitting threes. And it wasn't just one person that was hot. It was like getting the ball to the open guy. It was times where like a lot, I thought Tatum could have maybe forced something and in the past, that's something they would do. But this time, he was he was kicking it, man. He was like, he's trusting in the ball, finding the open person. And if he's the open person, he's trusting that it'll come back to him. And that's what great players end up doing is that they just got to trust in the players around them. 
and understand that the ball will find them again in a better situation. It doesn't always have to be, I got to go and work for mine. You know, there's going to be scenarios where that's necessary, but I like how they they looked early on in this game. No, totally. And like you said, it wasn't just one guy doing it. Um, but one guy who was getting it done though was Al Horford. Um, you know, Al Al's jump shot looks amazing. Um, but you know what really stood out to me is how spry he looked. Um, there was a number of possessions in the first quarter where he had to switch on to Drogic. And I think Drogic shot one for five on those possessions where he was uh, being guarded by Horford. Horford being able to stay with, you know, a guard as good as Drogic really showed me something. I think this time off for Horford has really helped his body. Um, he does not look old at all. Honestly, I was not expecting a ton from Horford. My expectations are slowly growing, especially after seeing him play. Um, you know, he looks like he can stay with him pretty well, and that's a big thing. You know, if Horford can stay with guards on switches for – you know, seven, eight seconds. You know, obviously we don't want him out there on the island for too long against guys like Steph or whatever, but he really was impressing me. I thought he was going to get cooked on those possessions, and he actually was sticking with Drogic really well. So it's, it's good to see his jump shot falling and his defense uh, looking good. No, absolutely. I thought Horford was brilliant in this game, especially in the first quarter. I had a moment there at the 544 mark of that first quarter. I just saw Horford up in the post. He ended up posting up a smaller guy. Um, I noticed the Celtics were really attacking in the post first. And as he drew a double team, he took one dribble in and he ends up finding a cutting Grant who ended up getting an easy dunk inside. It was just nice inside-outside play style that I think the Celtics are kind of like leaning on a little bit more in their offense this year. And it's something that I've noticed a lot and I really appreciate it. It's something that creates – forces you to – to create mismatches, forces you to get ball movement going, and also is going to probably get them to the free throw line a lot more than they have been in the past. And to stop with the ISO ball too. 100%. I have that exact same note written. Al, amazing pass. And it was the patience that I loved from Al Horford on that play. Waiting for things to develop, Grant finding the open area. I believe our our guy Adam Taylor, who we had on, um, he put a clip out on Twitter of Grant just you know cutting to make some space for Tatum. Uh, it's little subtle things like that that we need to see Grant do. Um, in order to, you know, see the floor. It's not flashy things like making his threes or dunking the ball. It's little things like that that Grant can improve on to really uh, help himself see the floor. Um, so I think that was a great cut by him. I will say, uh, on a timeout, uh, they were interviewing Josh Richardson on up on the Jumbotron from Media Day. Um, and he, I just wanted to touch on this real quick. He said that um, the move has been smooth and exceeded his expectations. Um, and he really loves the accountability and straightforwardness of the coaching staff and team. So as you know, a team that has had maybe it's, uh, issues chemistry wise, maybe the past couple of years, that was amazing to hear from a new player. Um, the roles are clearly defined. Um, people are being held accountable for when they make mistakes. That's a good thing. Um, you know, I know can sometimes, you know, Media will lean into that like it's a bad thing. People like, you know, maybe getting a little heated, but, you know, it's good to be held accountable when you make a mistake. Um, and it's really good to have a defined role, which is something that I don't think Brad did super well um, as the head coach of the Celtics. So it's really good to see that Ime is defining role as well. Um, and then speaking of Jay Rich, I mean, as far as his play is concerned, he's really, really, really impressing me. Um, he can grab and go like, you know, he can get a rebound and push the ball. You know, he can make the right passes. You know, obviously, you know, his shooting is a little spotty. Um, but I think what he brings on defense, playmaking, and, like, you know, just being a wing, a big body, I think uh, he's going to be one of my favorite players on the Celtics this year. I, I think so. 
No, yeah, absolutely. Josh Richardson's shot is not there, but I'm not really too worried about it because when I when I look at him sometimes, shot selection could be a little bit better, but there's time where he's just missing open jumpers. Those are going to start hitting eventually as he gets into more rhythm. Um, but the defensive side of the ball is something that I've noticed a lot. He's jumping lanes. He's cutting off passes. He's in position correctly. He switches well. That's a part of the, the side of the ball right now that this Celtics team is really focused on because the, the defense is going to lead to the easy offense. I'm not too worried about, you know, offensive-wise. If he's not hitting his shot, it's fine. But if he can get himself in position on defense and be a contributor on that end, that's just going to help everybody else on the court. That's something I really appreciated. And also the touch on Grant Williams, man. I know I, I said a little bit this in the last episode, but, man, he's in great shape, man. And I think he's hungry for a position. The hunger that Grant Williams has right now to fight for a role on this team has got me excited for Grant Williams, especially with all the hate that he's gotten in, within the Celtics, you know, realms of fandom throughout the last season. I'm just happy to see Grant Williams going to be coming out with like a little chip on his shoulders. Like, all right, I heard you guys. I was bad last year. I put on weight. I'm cutting off weight. I'm here to have a role. I'm here to contribute and I'm here to fully bought in on trying to be a lot better. Yeah. So that's something I'm very excited about. No, same that the, the weight that Grant lost really looks like it's making him a little more spry, um, which is really important because he just couldn't move well enough really um, when he was heavy and strong. So I think losing that weight is good. His jumper looks good, man. And I know he started off his career missing like 28 straight threes, but you know, he ended up being pretty consistent and that jumper looks good. So uh, I never really bailed on Grant. You know, I know he wasn't great last year, but a lot of the hate went a little bit too far for me. I didn't think he was as bad as everybody said. Um, you know, he wasn't good, but, you know, I still think I see some potential there for sure. Uh, so that is good to see. And as far as Jay Rich's shooting, um, it would be one thing if the Celtics couldn't surround him with jump shooters. Um, but, you know, when Jay Rich sees the floor, he could be, like, playing with Pritchard, Tatum, Jalen, um, and Horford, those are four shooters, so, you know, the floor is already going to be spaced uh, relatively well. And, you know, it's not like he's Andre Roberson out there. You know, he can make threes. Uh, he's not a knockdown guy, but uh, I don't know if that's really going to affect him because I doubt Ime is going to run lineups with, um, you know, three, two or three inconsistent shooters all too often. So I'm really looking forward to see what Jay Rich can bring to the team. Um, so after one, the Celtics were up 31 to 16. I don't know if you had any more notes on the first. No, nah, man, that's pretty much knocked the, knocked the whole first go in there. But uh, going to that second quarter. I will just say that the Celtics were bailed out by ahead. terrible shooting by the Raptors in the first quarter. They were playing solid defense, but it was definitely more of a, just a terrible shooting performance from the Raptors that gave that Celtics. Absolutely, and also the Celtics were shooting pretty well as well. Um, <clears throat> going into that second quarter, though, I wasn't really – super happy with the transition defense with the Celtics. I thought a lot of times there was guys who just kind of got lost and I felt like the Raptors ended up taking advantage and getting open looks in transition. I just think that they need to be better at focusing and stopping the ball. The fact that the ball doesn't hang and have to be passed for somebody to be open on a transition is not good basketball at the end of the day. So I'm hoping that they can find a way to clean that up. Yeah, yeah, they did definitely get burned in the beginning of the second quarter on a few transition possessions. Um, you know, I have here that uh, the fun, one of the funnier notes I have is that Romeo checked into the game without taking off his warm-up. Uh, so, you know, even though Romeo is playing a little better, it's good to see that he's still good old Romeo. 
Um, but I did have Romeo looked amazing off the dribble, man. He really was showing that true slasher potential in this game that he was really drafted in the lottery for. Um, on top of making his threes, but he really looked, he was really impressing me off the dribble. Uh, I think he just ripped by, went, went by a guy, made a nice floater. Um, that's really impressive to see that kind of materialize because that's why he was a top, you know, top three player in the country in high school. And that's why he was a lottery pick in the NBA was really because he's a slasher. Um, so obviously, you know, there's the emphasis on the three and D aspect of his game, you know, in the, in the, in the big leagues. Um, but if he can slash and get to the rim like that, you know, that's great. Because, Patrick, I know it's frustrated you and it's frustrated me. When the Celtics can't hit their threes, a lot of the times they wouldn't get to the rim. They would just keep shooting those threes. To have a guy who can really attack and get into the paint, I think that'll do a lot for when the offense. No, absolutely. And and the second quarter came in, and he was hitting some bombs. He had some bombs later on in the game as well we'll talk about. But as far as the second quarter, I like the – the willingness the coaching staff just has of like I, you can tell that it's initiative that they're just having Peyton Pritchard line up a couple extra feet outside the three point line, and you have to respect him from there because he's been able to hit that shot now more consistently. And moving forward, that's just going to leave an extra threat. Like a, def- a defender now can't you know sag off of him just because he's two feet outside the three point line. They're going to have to be within distance. That just creates more spacing and allows, you know, guys like Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown when he comes back to operate with more space without a guy to come over and help and defend when they break down their their defense. Yeah, he may touched on that post game actually. He said basically, why would we line him up, you know, right outside the three pointer if he can make it out to 30, 32 feet? So I think that is a really good thing as far as opening up driving lanes. Um, Pritchard really, you know. He might close some games for us, man. He is really, really good. I don't know um, if you think that's a possibility, but he's really, really impressed me from summer league, you know, his entire rookie year. I'm really looking forward to see him grow. He looks a little more under control with the ball in his hands, you know, than he did last year, which is only natural, uh, being that he really didn't get an offseason. Yo, absolutely. And um, I think the thing with Peyton Pritchard is that I think – determining based off matchup wise if he'll finish out games and i think in situations where the celtics are maybe down and he needs to come in on the offensive side and might check out if there's a timeout and they go back on defense because he is a liability still on that side of the ball but i think he's a legitimate three-point threat i'm not gonna say he's steph curry but he definitely has the comfortability and the green light to shoot it from steph curry like range um but just don't want people to think i think Pritchard is, is Steph Curry because right? that's not it at all. It's just that Pritchard has the ability to shoot from a very long distance, way longer than than the average NBA three point shooter. So he shoots it really comfortably. And and then I also noticed in that second quarter that off misses the the tempo was really high. I thought they pushed the ball down the court on the offensive side really well. They were good in transition. That's just been an initiative as far as um, how the Celtics want to play basketball off misses is that they don't know they no longer want to get in the half court set right away. They're like, let's push it and see if we can get something out of this push. If not, then we can pull it out and go through our offense. So that was also very refreshing. Totally. Actually, there was one specific play. I don't have the timestamp, but uh, I think it shows, you know, of the pace and also what we were talking about uh, before the podcast is, Tatum's playmaking ability um, has really grown. There was one play where he just had a great pass ahead 
Um, this wasn't sort of a, to Al for a dunk. This wasn't even really, you know, just a, oh, chuck it ahead. Al's ahead of the defense. This was a legitimate pass that he had to make uh, one-handed. Um, you know, he really thread the needle there. That was a beautiful pass from Tatum. So I love pushing the pace, and I love to see Tatum, you know, just develop his playmaking because I think Tatum can crack top 10 if he really improves that that playmaking ability. He can really be a top 10 player in this league. Um you know, he really has all the makings offensively and defensively with the exception of the playmaking. But if that keeps growing, I think the sky's the limit for Tatum. And we could be talking about him as a uh, as a, a first team, well, second team realistically um, a player if he really can improve on that. Absolutely. I actually have a timestamp of a Tatum playmaking play on this one in the 255 mark in the second quarter. That was a moment where he was in the post, ended up getting that double team, and he ended up throwing it across uh, to the other side of the court to where he found Romeo Langford open for a corner three, and Romeo just splashed nice um, swish, and the crowd just went crazy. Those are the glimpses that, as Celtics fans, were like, yes, that's what we want to see from Tatum. Those were the decisions so decisive. Instead of just going there and then fading when that second guy comes and try to take a, a contested mid-range or if he creates enough space to get open in mid-range, passing that ball across court and finding uh, open Romeo Langford just shows the glimpses of his ability to to see the floor at a different level. And if he's able to do that and that threat's on him, it's going to stop teams from doubling him all the time if he's able to just pass out of it. It adds a different tier of difficulty for game planning against Jason Tatum, and that's that's how you get into a top 10 tier. 100%. And, um, and you know, what you were talking about earlier, you know, uh, the Celtics were kind of emphasizing, you know, some post-ups. Um, you know, they posted up Horford one play, and somebody, you know, he was abusing the mismatch a few times in a row. Uh, so they dug down and double-teamed. Uh, right as Horford catches the ball, he kicks it right back out to Tatum for a three-pointer. Um, listen, I, I know people probably won't be leaving Tatum open for three, um, you know, all too often like that. Um, but it was good to see Al, you know, he's still such a heady player. I think he's just going to have an overall – positive impact on this team you can kind of already see it um i know i want to give a lot email a lot of that credit but also i don't think we can uh, underrate the impact that al is going to have on what our team looks like off the court honestly but as well as on the court because you know al is such a selfless player um you know he'll score eight points but you know he'll make the right play every single time so i really think that is rubbing off on the team um i will say also tatum had 10 six and six at halftime as much as i love to see tatum getting the assists i equally love to see Tatum hitting the boards um, because, you know, we don't have a dominant rebounding presence like Rob, Will, and Al, as good as players they are. Uh, they're definitely not known for dominating the glass. So when the wings chip in and get these rebounds, uh, especially like, you know, like I said, Jay Rich can grab and go. Romeo had a grab and go. And obviously Tatum can grab and go, you know, at the levels of any player, you know, um, he's, he's good as that as pretty much anyone in the league. So uh, that was good to see, man. Like, the wings crash the boards. That's just going to make the Celtics an even better team, you know, ending possessions. Absolutely. And uh, the last note I had on the second quarter was um, it's going to be a little bit on the negative side, but the turnovers, man, they're going to kill me. They're, they really are. It was something that was like a crutch for us last year. Sloppy play. I understand that we're implementing a lot more passing in the offense, but like that doesn't, that doesn't negate all the, all the turnovers, man. You've got to be more precise with your passes 
You have to be cleaner with them. You're giving up free possessions at the end of the day. I'd rather you shoot a contested shot than just turn over the basketball because at least you have a chance of making a contested shot. You don't even get a shot off when you're turning over the ball. So I thought that was that was kind of the the whole comeback for the Raptors in that second quarter, and that's why they were up two points going into half. Yeah, I do think the Raptors played a terrific second quarter. Um, OG just had a monster dunk driving to his right, dunked over a couple of people, man. Um, OG is going to be hell to deal with this year for sure. Same with Fred. Fred was hitting a lot of shots in that second quarter. Um, and then also, you know, to go along with the, uh, with the turnovers, I think something that kind of disappointed me was letting Gary Trent get the wide open three pointer to end the, uh, to end the first half. Um, now to be fair, this was a brilliant set ran by Nick Nurse. Um, he kind of had a decoy, um, running off a screen and then he had Gary Trent coming back off a double screen and he was wide open. So, would like to see some more awareness at, you know, end of the quarter situations, but it's preseason. I don't want to harp on it too much. And like I said, it was a, it was a brilliant set ran by Nick Nurse. So I, I can't really be too mad. Um, but yeah, that's pretty yeah, much man, all for the second quarter as well. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the Raptors win a halftime on that, uh, that leads a lot. Uh, but you know what else you can do is you can also go to man, get some. Shave down whatever's overgrowing on your body because Manscaped can help you out with that. Hey, my boy Lucas over here. Um, me and him already know because Manscaped is a great, great brand to actually have. Great, great product. And um, if you end up going over to Manscaped, make sure that you give them the the promo code of Hoopball twenty, and you'll get your discount on your Manscaped products. Yes, sir. Uh, Patrick, I think you cut out a little bit there. So just to emphasize again, Manscaped, go to manscaped.com, use Hootball20 for 20% off your entire order. Uh, you know, we're all about cleanliness here. So, uh, you know, Manscaped can help with that. So uh, go over there and check out their products. They have some really nice stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, on to the third quarter, though, where, uh, you know, they tried to clean up their turnovers. You see that I'm trying to do a transition, and that was pretty weak. But, uh, you know, we tried, to, no, that was a clean transition. we tried to clean up our turnovers here in the third quarter. Um, you know, I honestly didn't really have anywhere to go. I was just trying to do a transition. So that's a lot – seems a lot easier than it really is. Um, so what, <laughs> what, are, what are your notes? <laughs> no, that third quarter was great, though, man. Uh, yeah, third quarter was uh, was good, man. I thought uh, Romeo Langford was, was keeping hot, man. He continued his – his Tatum there of uh, just being good in the first half and came out solid, was knocking down a quarter three again. And Marcus Smart um, was doing a great job of penetrating. He was getting really deep into the heart of the defense and then just hitting open guys on the outside for for really good looks. I thought Marcus Smart's been great in that starting point guard role, role and really emphasizing ball movement with him. He's done a lot of moments where Marcus Smart, I feel like he would have shot a shot in recent years 100%. and instead he's doing like a little pump fake and he does a little dribble inside and he kicks it out real quick to somebody who's more open and it's just more trust in people around him instead of him just heat. 100%. Um, it does look like Marcus is, you know, kind of has improved his shot selection. He kind of knows what's a bad shot. Um, but you know, I will say I'll quote Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until um, they get punched in the face. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, you know, in the real, in like the real regular season, um, but you know, it is good to see Marcus taking smarter shots. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, that is good. Also, I will say I have a note written here. I said, I cannot emphasize how good Romeo's jump shot looks this year. It looks so fluid and the lack of hesitation, you know, the hesitation is something we saw a lot with Romeo last year when he was open. 
Uh, to see him just catching and shooting, you know, it just looks absolutely beautiful. Um, yes, Lamar, I did steal your joke, um, you know, for the first time ever. You know, I'm kind of glad that you made a joke. Um, but, uh, no, Romeo relocating to open space, I found, you know, in some instances where he was kind of in a crowded area. Uh, I love to see that, just small things like that. Find the open space, find the area where you can make an impact on the offensive end. Uh, I think it's little things like that um, that, that are really going to make Romeo see the floor. No, absolutely. And then um, I had another note here, and it's not for the Celtics, but it was just more of like praise on on Fred Van Vliet. I know we talked about him a little earlier in the show. But, um, man, he's a sniper, man. He's a sniper. sniper. He was making the Celtics pay from deep. He, anytime the Celtics went under a screen, when they were switching, it didn't matter. Um, I know there's moments where Rob Williams was put on an island with him. And I'm like, oh, Rob, you got this. You got this. And he just shot right over Rob for a three. And I was just like, man, Fred Van Vliet is – it's going to be fun to watch him um, personally play basketball this year just uh, to see what, what he really is capable of without Kyle Lowry next to him and yeah. more of a, a handle on the offense. Yeah, we can do a little Raptors Raptors minute of praise here. Um, I think I have Fred is good written about 10 times throughout my notes in this game because um, Rob was staying with him pretty well, but sometimes just better offense trumps good defense. Um, so, you know, Van Fleet was on fire. Um, OG made a couple step backs where I was just kind of jaw dropped. Like if OG is making those shots consistently, um, he is going to be a dang force. Um, Scotty Barnes. He has this little he go he has this little play where he goes into the paint, he jump stops and then hits a little bit of a fadeaway. He probably hit that three or four times against the Celtics. He really, really impressed me. Once Siakam comes back, um, you know, I don't know how, the Raptors will be fighting for a play-in probably, but let me just tell you, this team will be held to play against every single night. They're gonna make life really hard on their opponents as a good a defensive team as they are. So you know, I always like playing the Raptors. It's always a great environment. Um, certainly, it felt like a playoff game more than a preseason game. I uh, love to see the, fa- uh, the passion from the Boston fans, but mark my words, the Raptors are going to be held to play against no matter who you are. Even if they don't finish the year with, you know, a bunch of wins, uh, I promise you they're going to make every single team earn the wins if they play against them. Yeah, absolutely. And then I had a mark here at the 28 seconds left in that third quarter. Um, I just wanted to Shout out Grant Williams on a great rotation. Um, what looked like a easy dunk for the Raptors, and he just came over. Uh, what I, I thought it was a dunk, man. I was like, "What is Grant doing? He's gonna be an AM one right now. He's coming over so late, and he was so quick to getting over there, and he blocked a shot that ended up turning into a transition bucket, man. Um, great job by Grant Williams, man. Yeah, hundred percent. I also have that in my side. notes. Yeah, it was a huge block. Um, but, you know, he kind of got beat by FVV, um, but he kind of knew to rotate after he got uh, after he got beat off the dribble. He kind of knew to rotate um, to the, uh, to you know, the drop-off pass, and he made just an unreal block at the rim. So that is good to Grant. I mean, we've seen Grant make a couple crazy blocks at the rim before. That's definitely something that's in his uh, defensive arsenal. Um, so, you know, that was, really, that was really good to see. I also will say, though, I have a couple more notes from earlier in the quarter. Um, I have the refs hate Tatum. Um, you know, I really want to see him stop complaining though, because that is only going to have the refs dislike him a little more. Um, and then also I have written Tatum made a one hand pass off the dribble, uh, from the wing to the corner cross court. You know, there was not a shot or anything, so it won't show up in the box score, but that is the type of pass that's really going to, you know, ascend Tatum to the next level that we've been talking about. Also, 
I just remembered um, something I saw in the second quarter I wanted to touch on. Um, basically, Grant was at the scores table, um, you know, crouching down, waiting to check in. And uh, Nick Nurse was kind of talking to him, right? And uh, Ime, you know, he sent someone else to the scores table. And I, I watched this. I watched him see Nick Nurse talk to Grant. And he kind of puts his uh, – Ime puts his arms around, I believe it was Marcus and Grant, and kind of steered him to the side and started talking to them. So I just love to see that from Ime. Um, this is his team, and he'll be damned if he lets Nick Nurse uh, get inside Grant Williams' head in a preseason game. So I just thought that was a cool little moment to see up close. Um, I love to see the Ime taking control. I don't think that's something that Brad ever, ever, ever would have done. Not a knock against Brad. I just think that really shows uh, you know, some of Ime's strengths as far as managing players. Absolutely, man. Did you have any other thing to note out in that third quarter that you wanted to touch um, on? Um, I do not believe so. Let me double check. Nope. I think Tatum finished with uh, eighteen, nine, and seven at the end of that quarter. I could be wrong though. But let's move on to the fourth. Well, uh, yeah, he no, he. I think he finished with twenty nine oh, yeah, and seven. Twenty nine yeah, and he seven. Had, he didn't come because he did because he didn't play any in the fourth. Right, he had eight. Straight. Fourth quarter was like garbage oh, yeah, we, time. We can touch on this real quick. He did have eight straight at one point. Kind of went into straight takeover mode. My mom was just kind of like, like I said earlier, she's not a huge basketball fan, but even she was blown away. She's like, wow, he can just start making shots whenever he wants. And I'm like, yes, that is a skill that Jason Tatum possesses. So that was just good to see a little, uh, you know, a little bit of that in a preseason game. So, but besides that, I- yeah, he had like a, he had like a three and then he hit one in the mid range and he hit like another three. It was just like, oof. Yeah. You, you can just tell when Tatum's feeling it, he's just good for like one of those stretches in every game. Exactly. It's just no matter how long that stretch is going to last. It's, it was a good little stretch there, though, in that third quarter. He really um, put a stampage on, on that game. Mm-hmm. But we can move on to the fourth, though. Um, I know to start the quarter, uh, Pritchard hit a massive three to start the quarter from deep, so that was a good, good way to start the quarter because the Celtics were kind of – I don't want to say reeling, but uh, I feel like the Raptors had a little bit of momentum at the beginning of that fourth quarter, so that was a big start to the quarter. No, absolutely, and um, I thought the Celtics were just – they came out in that fourth quarter, the the second unit and everything, and they played with a lot of energy. And they wanted to, to come out and win this game. You know, Celtics, uh, you know, win this game. They've only lost one game since, you know, Summer League. So mm-hmm. don't want to don't wanna get too excited over, you know, meaningless basketball. But at the same time, it's not all meaningless because they're, they're building habits now. And seeing that they are – translating into into wins even if they're not going to count for the regular season it's encouraging for the for how they're going to be moving forward yeah now i will say there's one thing i saw in this fourth quarter that i never ever ever want to see again especially not in person with my own two eyes was ennis Cantor take a 19 footer with about 10 seconds left in the shot clock um that's not a shot that ennis Cantor should be taking honestly any shot that ennis Cantor should be taking is should either really be off of uh, offensive rebound or a post up, you know, because he's got great post moves. But I don't ever think that I need Ennis Cantor taking a 19 footer because I think we kind of know he's not a big man who's going to stretch the floor. Um, so that's just something. I mean, I'm sure it's just a preseason game, so it's nothing to go crazy over. But that's just not a shot I want to see Cantor think that he should be taking. It'll be interesting to see how much minutes Cantor can earn on this team, being that the focal point is on the defensive side of the ball, and he just. He just does not translate well on the defensive side, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, how he his role is defined throughout the season. Um, yeah, totally. Because you know we know he can get abused on pick and rolls on defense, but 
You know, <laughs> he should earn himself zero minutes, says Dylan. Yeah, honestly, Cantor's a very frustrating player. Honestly, the only time I really like Cantor is when our always like last year when our or a couple years ago when our offense was really, really stalling. Getting Cantor in for maybe two or three post ups in a row just to get us back on the board, uh get us scoring again, because you know, he's a terrific post up player, but I think that his negatives outweigh his positives when it comes to, you know, how bad he is at pick and roll defense, but you know, he's, he's, he's not a guy who's going to play a lot of minutes. So, you know, I don't think we should be too worried about uh, what Cantor's doing. I just thought it was kind of funny that he took a 19 footer and I was just like, Oh, I don't ever want to see that again. Um, but yeah, our bench, our bench unit came in. Like you said, they were playing with a ton of energy. Um, one guy I really liked um, in spurts was Wancho. Um, seems like a very up and down player, um, but he can handle the ball uh, for a guy his size. He made a three pointer. Um, you know, if he can stretch the floor, play solid defense, man, I think he's going to carve out a role of being a fan favorite, even if it's in very, you know, fleeting minutes. Uh, he just plays with a lot of energy, and he's he's kind of a fun guy to watch because uh, you really don't ever know what's going to happen when the ball's in his hands. No, yeah, I, I love me some Hernan Gomez, man. I think he's he's a good energy guy. He comes in with a lot of effort. He gets the bench rolling. Um, he played with some point guard, it seemed like, uh, a lot in that fourth quarter where he was just handling the basketball. And I was just like, what's going on here? But, you know, sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. This is just, you know, preseason. Well, it won't, these guys won't probably be seeing a lot of minutes come regular season times, especially in a closer game like this. But it's just encouraging to see that, like, watching these preseason games, I'm going – we are a lot better this season as far as depth goes. Like, we have a lot more guys I feel like we can rely on, a lot of guys that end up getting another year under their belt. And I'm, I'm excited for the fact that we, we can really roll out a solid nine-man rotation and not be like, wow, we really put some, some bad people out there. It's pretty much Jason Tatum, Jane Brown with no help. You know, I, I don't feel like that's going to be the case this season. I think there's going to be help from a lot of different areas on this yeah, not at all. I think uh, that's that's probably the Celtics' biggest improvement overall. You know, it's probably their depth, man. They actually, like you're saying, they can roll out real players one through nine. Um, and, you know, depending on some of these end-of-the-bench guys, they could be pretty good during the regular season. Um, honestly, a guy who kind of I liked watching was Hauser. He didn't really do anything on offense, but, you know, he showed he had some good hands on defense. He was willing to move on defense, body guys up. Um because he won't be able to see the floor if he can't, you know, play at least like not terrible defense. Uh, so that was a, like a little bit of a positive. I saw a little more on the defensive end from him than I was ever expecting. So uh, that was good because Hauser has a clip. He can really knock down that three ball and spacing the floor is always good. So uh, that was good to see. No, absolutely. I was, I, I agree right there with you. And then I had like another mark there of um, at the three minute and 19 mark of that, that fourth quarter. Barry Parker had himself a little drive down to the baseline and he actually got himself a poster, man. And I was just like, wow, (laughs) he actually dunked that, man. I was like impressed. I was like, geez. And then he came down like the next offensive possession and was found in the corner wide open and hits a three. You know, we saw some flashes of Jabari Parker last year, later in the season. And then he even played some in the, in the playoffs. And there's times where he kind of got going a little bit. He's kind of like, what Ennis Cantor was for us a few years ago, you know, he goes in there and, and he, sometimes he just gives you these little five minutes burst of, of six points, seven points here, you know, and it's like, all right, cool. We got him for a few things. Not saying he's going to blow you away with his defense. Cause I mean, his, his <laughs> knees are, his knees are shot, man. They're so bad, but no, his lateral quickness is so bad. 
I don't even know if it's just physically his limitations on defense. I literally heard Jabari Parker once say in a press conference that he doesn't really like playing defense. Um, but I think he's got to understand if he ever wants to see the floor for an Ime Udoka coach team, he's going to have to at least be busting his butt on defense. Um, and I think he can bring, like you're saying, value in two, three-minute spurts, you know, a couple buckets. You know, the garden exploded on that poster. You would have thought that was friggin' at the end of a game that really mattered. I mean, he really did poster him. It was good to hear the garden roar like that. I had been way too long. Um, hit that big three. And I have my last note here is the end of this game has been wild and not in a good way. Uh, you know, it kind of got uh, super sloppy on both ends with the end of the bench guys playing. Um, I will say, though, Bruno Fernando moves incredibly well for a guy his size on offense. Uh, not so much on defense, but he does move really well on offense, I've got to admit. Yeah, man, he was he was solid. He just he, it just seemed like he was trying to do too much, or maybe he just had the jitters of being out there and stuff like that. But uh, I do like where his mindset's going and and his what he's trying to get done. It just seems like he's a little bit too jittery when he's doing it. Yeah, but I think when we reach the Sam Hauser and Bruno Fernando notes section, um, we're probably coming to a close here. Do you have, what else do you got on this game? Anything? No, I mean, I just see, you know, Tatum finishes 29 and 7. Solid game from Jason Tatum. Um, Horford had 16 points. He was 4 4 from deep. I thought that was a good note. Marcus Smart also has that's something that I keep throughout the season. I think Marcus Smart can average around six and a half, seven assists per game this season, which I believe would be his career high. Almost and then like Romeo Langford, man, I think I thought he was uh, he was the man of the hour. You know, like he, he came out in place of Jalen Brown, and he took advantage of his of that start, and he had 13 points on five or six from the field, three or four from deep. Looked good, played solid on the defensive side. So uh, I'm encouraged, man. I'm encouraged with what the Celtics uh, came to offer in this game. No, Romeo. I would say Romeo was the big takeaway for me. I really cannot emphasize how good he looked as a slasher and as a shooter. Um, if those things hold up, man, he is going to be like he can end up being, you know, a legitimate rotation piece for us. That is just going to be even better, make us like a le- little even deeper, uh, you know, than we were pl- than like we were just talking about. We have nine men, but if Romeo can really be a rotation guy, you know, we already know he plays pretty good on ball defense. But if he can be effective on the offensive end, uh, that's just even going to make the Celtics even more potent. But uh, if anyone's got any questions, they can come up. But if not, um, thank you everybody for. Showing up to our, our live show on Spotify Green Room. You know, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, you know, rate, review, follow our show. Um, once again, you can find me. I'm Luca Gainer, Luca underscore Gainer on Twitter. Patrick has ballin' opinions. Not going to spell it. Um, like he said, you should know it by now. Follow the show at Hoopball Celtics. Remember to use. Hoopball 20 for 20% off of your Manscaped order. Patrick? Yes, man. That, you, you ended off on a great note there, and um, that doesn't look like anybody has questions today, so I, I guess we'll catch you guys next time. And Celtics play tomorrow, and we'll, we'll see you guys after then. Yeah, we'll see you on Thursday. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.